Hello and welcome to this week's episode of The Digital Download. I'm Kate Hamer, I run a marketing and digital consultancy, Kate Hamer Limited. I've worked in large brands like Unilever, Disney and L'Oreal for over 15 years and a decade of that I've been in digital. So I know how hard it can be to keep up to date with the fast moving world of digital and this podcast will hopefully help you by giving you a summary of the past week's news and each week I also discuss key topics in the industry. Thanks, as always, to everyone who's downloaded it. Don't forget to subscribe and leave a review. And thanks for sending feedback. I really want this to be your podcast, so do tweet me at Kate Hamer Limited or email kate at katehamer.com with any feedback, questions or topics you'd like me to cover. Today I'm going to be discussing all the latest news with a particular focus on Instagram stories and the Olympics. And this podcast then needs to last you for two weeks because I'm having a tiny little holiday this weekend coming, but I'll be back with the digital download from the 22nd of August. So without further ado, we'll get into the news from the week. Firstly, just a little bit on emoji. As I've discussed in previous shows, this is becoming the language that is growing the fastest in terms of emoji. And we found out a bit more about the new ones that are going to be coming with iOS 10. So there's going to be female versions for each sport, which is great, although I'm not hugely impressed by the amount of pink and purple that are used within those emoji to indicate that they are girls. Uh, They've also added mono parent families and a great one is that they've replaced the gun with a green water pistol. So there's a link on the companion page on katehamer.com for you to see the full gallery of the new emoji. On to Facebook, a few updates for Facebook this week. I am seeing a new layout for brand pages that I manage. I'm not sure if it's rolled out everywhere, but it's a much cleaner interface. Uh, You've got the profile image on the left-hand side and the cover image to the right now, and a sort of stacked menu on the left of all the different elements of the page. So I would just advise if you have branded pages to check them and check that they still look okay in terms of image sizes that you've used and things like that. Secondly, Facebook Live are going to be running a small test where a group of publishers has the option to insert a short ad break into their Facebook Live videos. So the format will appear five minutes into real-time broadcasts and will last 15 seconds or less. Currently, obviously, video ads elsewhere on the platform autoplay but with the sound off and the thought with these ones within Facebook Live is that they're playing in the middle of a broadcast the sound is already on the viewer is already engaged so facebook are expecting a better result in terms of performance of these advertisers can opt out of appearing in the live stream so you know there's always that fear when you do display advertising that you might appear next to a news article or something that is about some devastating news or dangerous content so you can opt to not appear and from a publishing side media companies can also select which advertising verticals they want to appear in their streams so if there's particular 
Um, so if there are particular industries or brands that don't necessarily fit with their content, then they can specify that they don't want those ads to appear. What isn't clear to me in the stuff that I've read at the moment is whether people are therefore going to miss 15 seconds of the live broadcast or whether it's almost paused in the background and they're then watching on a 15 second delay. I will try to find that out. I don't think that's great, especially if people are broadcasting live awards ceremonies or opening ceremonies and those kind of things. I'm not sure how viewers are going to feel about missing a little section of that. Also related to Facebook, L2 have released a study talking about media viewing habits and as of now 65% of digital media is consumed on mobile devices but on Facebook 92% of their users access the platform via mobile and 57% never use the desktop version. So this is really important if you're looking at this from a business perspective in terms of the videos that you're using. They should absolutely be optimised for mobile. They shouldn't be reliant on sound. They should be designed in a way that if they're viewed vertically on a phone screen, that's still going to be okay. The L2 study also talks about how they should be shorter in length. So less than 15 seconds has double the engagement rate of videos 30 to 59 seconds long. I think, again, when you get into areas like Facebook Live, you can potentially have longer videos than that. But certainly in terms of clips that people are watching, bear in mind the duration that people might be watching them without sound vertically on their mobiles. And then finally on Facebook, they are testing a new feature just in Canada and Brazil that puts a Snapchat-esque camera at the top of the newsfeed. It's actually using Masquerade, which they acquired earlier this year. So it allows users to add filters and animations to their selfies. And the test is around celebrating the Olympics. So users in Brazil and Canada will be prompted to celebrate the Olympic Games using this new feature. And launching the feature, you can add filters and masks, which is the masquerade name for lenses, like Snapchat have, to their photos. And then they can share those across Facebook. So this is the first use of masquerade within the actual Facebook platform. They've obviously said they're also going to be bringing filters into live video. So it will continue to be integrated across the platform but this test will obviously help them understand how they can integrate it for everyone globally. Sticking with the Facebook business, but moving on to Instagram, you probably will have seen in the media this week, Instagram launched a new service called Stories. You may have heard that name of a service previously in Snapchat Stories, and it is very similar indeed to Snapchat Stories. So, on Snapchat, you take an image or a video, you post it up within your story, people can swipe through all of the elements of your story, but after 24 hours, it disappears. And surprise, surprise, Instagram stories work in a very similar way. And this seems to be continuing the pattern of social platforms copying each other, or let's say imitating, because isn't that the best form of flattery? I think the reason they're doing this is obviously all of them want growth in terms of users and they want to stem the churn of users moving to other social platforms. So if they can become the one-stop shop for everything that users are looking for, then they've got a better chance of keeping people with them. 
I don't think that this is a terrible threat to Snapchat. I think a lot of the user base that Snapchat have is different to Instagram and I think they will benefit from that first mover advantage and people staying loyal to the first place that they use them. I do think it raises a bigger question in terms of social platforms trying to be everything to everyone in that they start to perhaps lose the thing that made them unique in the first place. But from an Instagram perspective, I think they'll be bringing a bit of an older audience potentially into using stories that hasn't got to grips with the way that Snapchat works. Instagram have 300 million daily active users and Snapchat have 150 million. So just looking at those figures, at least 50% of Instagram users, and I think it will be significantly more than that, will have never used a stories function. And so we'll see this as innovation and, and a novelty. And Instagram are really trying to get people to load more content to the platform. At the moment, only 20% of users upload visuals every day versus Snapchat 60%. Now, one of the things in terms of the way people are encouraged to upload that content is obviously when you open Snapchat, it opens within the camera window, encouraging you straight away to be taking a photo or a video. Whereas when you open Instagram, it's more in your newsfeed and looking at all the content that people have posted already. So I think it will be good in terms of by being able to load multiple images, it will hopefully stop those flows that you get sometimes of people you follow where they upload loads of their pictures from a day out all in one go. From a brand perspective, I've certainly always tried to load no more than really sort of three or four images throughout a 24 hour period because people like the fact that there are lots of different people they follow in their newsfeed when they're looking. Instagram seems to have built on the Snapchat stories functionality with some improvements. So one example is there are different types of brushes and widths and an easy interface to change that when you're actually adding sketchy stuff or signposting onto the images or videos that you've done. There's also a dashed bar at the top of the story so that you can see how far into it you are. And you can use that bar to go forwards and backwards and look at different images within the story. They don't have any lenses or geo filters, which obviously Snapchat does have. But I think from a brand perspective, it is interesting that if you've got a big following on Instagram, you can now reach them more regularly rather than limiting to a couple of posts a day. And I think because the images are only there for 24 hours, you can put maybe some different types of content on there. The curated grid, you obviously want to make sure that that all looks beautiful and aspirational, but perhaps you could start to create more content now from behind the scenes of that aspirational shoot or what you're doing to test new products, that kind of thing, because it's just there and then it goes. They still, like Snapchat, don't have any functionality to sort of like an image. And I think that is something that I certainly struggle with on Snapchat in terms of being able to assess what's worked and what hasn't worked. You can only really see how many people have watched it. So I imagine that might be an improvement that they'll make further down the line. The other thing I think they're going to have to think about is that there's no algorithm currently in terms of what they show to you. So anybody that you follow who is doing an Instagram story is across the top of your screen. But if you're following thousands of people, you're obviously going to have a lot of people to swipe through up there. And there is a risk that people might just unfollow an entire account if they're feeling like the stories that are being posted are not interesting to them. So be careful what you're posting in stories 
for now and i imagine that they'll have to do some sort of development on a an algorithm or some way for users to maybe be able to prioritize the people that they see first in their stories list so check out instagram stories see what you think of it have a go try some out and um i will be watching this space to see how it affects snapchat on to snapchat themselves so they have launched geo themed stickers so similar to the geo filters that already exist they're available in specific locations you can resize them move them around your posts and this is obviously following on from bitmoji being added a couple of weeks ago i imagine again that they're going to offer brands and users the opportunity to create their own geo stickers just like they do with geo filters at the moment they're available in la new york city san francisco washington honolulu london sydney sao paulo paris and riyadh and obviously you need your location services switched on within snapchat for you to be able to try them out snapchat has also revealed the seven brands that it's selected as partners for the duration of the olympic games so sony pictures walmart dick sporting goods hershey's dunkin donuts haribo and ford are all going to run adverts on its live story and its discover channels and this was reported in ad week and they're saying it doesn't affect other brands that are taken to snapchat obviously samsung will still be on there but they're just not an official partner so the sort of content they're talking about is sony for example are the exclusive entertainment category partner and they're going to be pr promoting the angry birds movie with lots of olympic themed creative to align with snapchat's olympic story and Walmart are going to be using Snap Ads in a bid to tap into the sense of patriotism the games induces. And it's going to be talking up its commitment to purchasing more American-made products. So obviously we won't see those ads in the UK. But if I find any screenshots or examples online, I'll add them onto the companion page on katehamer.com. Moving more into the world of Google or specifically Alphabet, its parent company, they have signed a deal or created a new company, in fact, with GlaxoSmithKline this week to develop bioelectronic medicines. So the joint venture is called Galvani Bioelectronics. It's going to be headquartered in the UK, 55% owned by GSK and 45% owned by Alphabet's Verily Life Sciences division. So that used to be known as Google Life Sciences. And it's going to be funded with 540 million pounds over the next seven years. And the plan is that they will have treatments ready for regulatory approval by 2023. So they're planning to concentrate on creating electrical implants that can be used to treat diseases. So the concept similar to a pacemaker, which obviously uses electric pulses to prompt your heart to beat. But scientists believe that similar devices could be used to treat arthritis, diabetes, asthma and other chronic conditions by stimulating specific parts of the body and the actual implants would be no larger than a grain of rice. So Alphabet are getting involved in many different projects but that sounds like a good one to make the world a better place and hopefully really kick on the world of medicine especially for some of those chronic conditions but 2023 is when it's likely to come into force. On to messaging, not a huge amount to talk about for messaging apps this week, but I saw an article about a Facebook messenger bot called Trulia, 
which helps people to find a place to buy or rent in terms of them putting their requirements into the messenger bot and then it sends them recommendations. Basically, that's like olden day email in terms of you'd obviously put your requirements onto an estate agent's website and get options emailed to you. So I think it just shows that messenger bots are starting to use be used in a way that email was in the past because people are far more likely to be on messenger apps rather than on their email so consider that when you're looking at perhaps traditional crm campaigns and think how you could maybe use apps and uh, messenger apps instead speaking of apps tim cook of apple announced that the app store set a new record in july it was its highest ever monthly billings and the biggest amount paid out to developers in a single month So App Store developers have now earned more than $50 billion. Pokemon obviously had quite a lot to do with the success in July. It generates more than $10 million a day between iOS and Android, according to App Annie. So definitely helped the Apple Store, but it's good to see that apps are still going strong. There is sometimes debate about whether it's the end of the road for apps with the mobile web being so strong, but there's certainly real reasons why you would want an app versus just a mobile website. Another piece about Google and Android, they're partnering with Dashlane on a project called YOLO, although in this case it isn't you only live once, it's you only log in once. So what they're looking at is a way that you can instantly and securely log into all your apps on your phone using a password manager. So Dashlane is who they're working with to start off with, but it's open source, so other password tools will be able to integrate with it further down the line. In terms of e-commerce, Amazon announced this week that they are leasing 40 cargo planes to shut all their own shipments through the air to improve their delivery times. So it's also got their first branded aircraft, Amazon One, which they launched at an air show in Seattle which is obviously where their headquarters are. And it's a Boeing 767. And it's got a prime number as its tail number. Very clever. And then there's going to be these 10 other planes that they've leased. And they'll be adding to the fleet over time. So they're definitely serious about their delivery business and how they can improve service levels. I saw an interesting survey this week that AOL had done with US and UK publishers to talk to them about things such as ad blocking, how to increase mobile revenue, what they think about video, etc. So they interviewed 600 publishers across the UK and the US in May, 300 from each country, to see what sorts of things they were talking about. So one thing is that publishers are really prioritising off-site monetization. 86% of UK publishers rely on third parties, mainly being Facebook and Google, for a quarter of their traffic and there are other indicators that it could be significantly more than a quarter of their traffic is coming from these third parties so obviously if they can get their articles actually integrated into facebook perhaps rather than getting people to come to their site then that's a good way for them to get their content out there in terms of video most uk and us respondents picked video as the number one revenue driver for 2017 and they think better quality creative is the primary driver of that. Trinity Mirror, the newspaper group, was saying that they see the lion's share of ad budgets weighted towards video now. 
and there's a real internal push within news publishers to make sure that there is a video accompanying every article. Ad blocking is an obstacle to mobile growth. It's obviously caused desktop revenue to suffer, but they're not taking mobile for granted. So 85% of publishers in the UK have seen up to 50% growth on mobile revenue last year, obviously from a low base, so not necessarily huge, but 55% of them cited ad blocking as the biggest barrier to mobile growth and 49% in the US said the same. So that sort of ties back to the off-site monetization in that if they can be getting their content into Facebook and Twitter where there are apps and there's not the sort of ad blocking opportunity there, that's obviously great. And also just looking at how can ads be created in a better way so that they're genuinely interesting and integrated into whatever site people are looking at rather than those awful ones that sort of take up your whole screen and you can't work out how to close them down. Just a quick one in the brand section on Pokemon Go. Obviously, it continues to be super successful. I've tried to get into it, but I'm not really a game person. Uh, but a lot of my friends are super into it. And I think the way that brands are starting to tie in with it is great. So I saw Zipcar were talking about it on their Twitter account this week and saying if you snap a Pokemon in, on or near to one of their Zipcars, they'd give you £10 driving credit. So nice way to tie in with the fact that people are doing it anyway, but getting some good brand equity and awareness from it. And then I'm just going to end today's show with a bit about the Olympics. Obviously, it started on Friday and there's a few interesting brand elements to it. So you might know that the Olympics committee relaxed a rule which is called Rule 40, which makes it possible for non-sponsors to have a bit more to do with the Olympics. So there's obviously still the rules about not being able to use Olympic IP. So terms such as Olympics 2016, Rio, Games, and some broader terms like performance, victory, and challenge that are very much linked to their official sponsors. But the relaxation of the rule does now mean that athletes can tweet about non-official sponsors as long as they're not using that IP. And this has really come from the fact that obviously on social media, there's so much more opportunity to talk. And a lot of athletes have had sponsors with them their whole career. And those sponsors are partly responsible for getting them to the Olympics. And then they're not allowed to thank them or talk about them because they're not an official sponsor of the game. So the relaxation of this rule meant that brands could apply for waivers around certain areas and submit their campaigns at the start of the year to be able to use them. Virgin Media, for example, have obviously been working with Usain Bolt for a good while now, I think since just after London 2012. And so they will continue to feature him in their adverts and have been doing the last few months through the Olympics and right out the other side. But again, just good to see that ambush marketing, I guess, as it's been called in the past, can be far more sophisticated these days due to social media. And actually, it's better for the IOC to relax the rules and have a bit more visibility of it than get people working in all kinds of different ways to navigate the rules. So much better. And I think we'll see some great campaigns as a result of that. I'm not sure how many brands actually got through in time for the start of this year. I think it was the 27th of Jan that they had to submit, but certainly for future tournaments and Olympics I think they'll, we'll see more brand activity. Just a few things from a Twitter perspective. You can follow the Olympics or 
Team GB through Twitter Moments, which are really useful. You follow them and then you get updates in your newsfeed without having followed all the people that are talking about it. And Twitter Data, the um, Twitter Data account is quite good to follow as well. They talk about the top moments in things like the opening ceremony, etc. So there's some example tweets embedded into the companion page, but check that out. And if you're on Twitter, it's worth following them. Also on Twitter, it's worth following Google Trends. They're putting in top searches each day and what people are asking, what um, athletes are being searched for, etc. Obviously, all the hash flags are around on Twitter again. And again, I've put a tweet on the companion page so you can see how to use them. There's also hashtags for the Olympic opening ceremony, the Olympics in general, all the little icons that I talked about on last week's show. And then brands are doing some really great stuff so samsung uk have tied in with jack whitehall they did some content with him around the six nations and now they've got a series of videos where he is with different types of athlete rowers etc sort of learning the ropes of their sport and generally being totally useless but entertaining content nonetheless Visa have done a really good video supporting the refugee swimmer, Yusra Mardini. Again, that's embedded on the companion page if you want to see it. And one of my favourites is Nissan. So they're promoting the Nissan Leaf car. And they did a video where they kind of pranked a lot of the athletes going out to the Olympics and Paralympics, where how the two actors kept straight faces really in terms of being from the marketing team and saying okay it's really important that we get the leaf out there so perhaps as you're sprinting into the final bend rather than just sprinting can you pretend to be driving a car around the bend or can you make this noise when you start or can you speak very quietly because the leaf car is very quiet so when you're being interviewed can you speak very quietly and uh, there were some great reactions you could see some sort of thinking that it was a joke straight away and others thinking how on earth do I uh, get out of this I've been training for four years to get to the Olympics and now I'm going to have to do something crazy that's going to stop me being able to win a race or whatever so again the link to that is on the companion page but a really entertaining piece of content that's been created and they're still getting out the Nissan Leaf message at the same time and then not Olympics related but football related it wouldn't be one of my podcasts without mentioning it Walker's Crisps are doing a cool campaign on the hashtag we support you Gary where they've made a series of videos of their farmers picking the potatoes through to the lorry drivers through to the delivery drivers taking stuff into stores all in their pants because obviously next Saturday Gary Lineker is going to be presenting match of the day in his pants because he said right at the start of last season that if Leicester won the league he would do that and obviously they did so some great capitalization on that promise from walkers to get a bit of excitement around that as well so that is the whistle stop tour of the digital news for this week thanks again for listening do let me know any feedback that you've got or any things that you would like me to talk about in future as I said I will be back on the show from the 22nd of August so tweet me at Kate Hamer LTD or email kate at katehamer.com and I will speak to you on the 22nd of August bye